Nine people were killed in a church in Charleston, South Carolina. And last weekend, 49 were killed at Pulse Nightclub in Orlando. So let us take a moment to remember those deaths. Let us remember here that the very name of our spiritual community calls us to be one with all people. That each person killed by these shootings is a person fearfully and wonderfully made by God, abounding in grace. That God has accompanied and loved every one of those people regardless of their race or their religion or their sexuality. That the violence and hatred that took their lives was unjust and undeserved. That this instinct to fire bullets, to hurl hatred, is morally reprehensible. That in our diverse country, different moral and religious visions can and must be treated with legitimacy and respect, free from violence and hatred. That the God of all life calls us to our best selves, calls us to be united, calls us to act and move towards compassion and peace. That's the kind of God that I want to follow and be a part of and express in every moment. So let us take a moment in silence to remember those and to say together that hate will not have the final word. Love is our mantra. Love is our destination. Love is our guide. And love wins. And full equality will come for all. We will not rest, we who believe in freedom, until full equality comes. And it will.
Thank you, Connie. So let's talk about healing this morning. I want to I want to address this idea of healing. I, most of you know me and know that I'm a chaplain at a hospital in my full-time work and ministry. And I've been at the bedside of many people who have been sick and many people who are dying. And I've held many hands of people who are stuck in a hospital bed when they do not wish to be there. And I asked them in a roundabout way, what do you want to talk about? What's on your heart and mind? What prayer can I keep in my heart for you? And they often say, I'd like a prayer of healing. Now, if, you're, if you've got a broken ankle, or if you've had a hip replacement, you know, the prayer of healing is going to be that the physical therapists don't beat you up too bad, right? And that, you, that your pain medicines work pretty good. But um, we, you know, for those folks, we can encourage breathing exercises and prayer and meditation and encourage them to stay close to their loved ones who will offer emotional support. We can listen as they talk about their fears and worries. But when somebody is at the end of their life, chronic heart failure, or organs shutting down. When they ask for healing, that's another story altogether. Then the chaplain begins to hear stories of great events in the person's life. They hear stories about the person's great loves, spouses and kids and grandkids and great friends who have turned towards them in times of need. In a couple of weeks, I'm going to give a tribute to a good friend of mine who's moving, along with others, and and he's moving to take a church in California, and I'm going to miss him terribly, and I'm going to miss talking theologically with him and spiritually with him and taking vacations with his family. But I'm not going to... And, 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 you know, we've, we've... We've worked on so many projects against the death penalty and against torture and all these things, you know. But the story I'm going to tell is one time when I was really stuck, I had to do something and it was just, it was not comfortable. I didn't want to do it. It made me nervous, made me anxious. And I wrote to him, I texted him, and I said, look, I know you're busy right now as a Friday. I know you're busy, but in the next couple of days or weeks or months or even within the next year, if you could find some time, I wonder if we could sit and talk about what this, you know, this issue that's bugging me. And he wrote back and he said, how about noon? You know? And he came over, he dropped everything, came over. And that's, that's friendship, that's friendship. We hear stories like that on the bedside. There's a kind of inventory of love that happens that brings great comfort and healing to those people who are facing death. And so I want to begin talking about healing this morning and begin there. You get the opportunity to do an inventory of love and think about all of those relationships before you're on your deathbed. 
before you're hospitalized. So this afternoon or this evening or tomorrow or sometime when you get a chance, take a moment and think about those first loves, maybe in high school or college or when you were a young adult. Think about your mother and your father. Think about friends who turned towards you in times of need. Write down a few memories or story, a few attributes. The inventory of love, if nothing else, will see, help you see that you've done very little of this living, very little of this life on your own. We are loved into being. We are loved into our authentic selves. We are birthed by the love of those around us. This idea of love as a key component of health is what Mary Oliver refers to in her poem, Wild Geese. You do not have to be good. You do not have to walk on your knees for a hundred miles through the desert repenting. You only have to let the soft animal of your body love what it loves. Tell me about despair, yours, and I will tell you about mine. Meanwhile, the world goes on. Meanwhile, the sun and the clear pebbles of the rain are moving across the landscape, over the prairies and the deep trees, the mountains and the rivers. Meanwhile, the wild geese high in the clean blue air are heading home again. Whoever you are, no matter how lonely, the world offers itself to your imagination, calls to you like the wild geese, harsh and exciting, over and over, announcing your place in the family of things. You only have to let the soft animal of your body love what it loves. We are social creatures. Our friends love us into being. Our friends love us into health. Our friends and family and loved ones help us to create wholeness in our own spirit. And it's true about communities like this, too. Churches and spiritual communities, synagogues and mosques. When we come to a place like this, We are invited into relationships. We are invited into community. We're invited into our authentic selves. So I was not surprised today to read in the New York Times that going to church makes you healthier. And I'm not saying that because I'm a minister, you know, and I really want you to come to church on Sunday. But I'm saying that because this group of scholars studied a bunch of women, 75,534 women. And they concluded that going to church lowers the risk for premature death. Over 16 years they studied these women through 2012. After controlling for all these different factors... They, they found that compared with those who never went to church, going more than once a week was associated with a 33% lower risk for death from any cause, attending once a week with a 26% lower risk, and going less than once a week a 13% lowered risk. 
the researchers eliminated the possibility that maybe just healthy people go to church, right? (laughs) It's not that. We know that it's not that. There is something powerful about the communal religious experience, said one professor from Harvard. There is something powerful about the communal religious experience. Something about these practices that have taken place over thousands and thousands of years contribute to our well-being. It comes as no surprise. It's why we at Penrose have a healthy church initiative. Obviously, religion can be used for destructive forces. We don't have to linger on that too much. But church-going, generally speaking, encourages social connection and community. It promotes a message of empathy towards other people. It discourages narcissism by planting in our minds that our stories are tied to a larger story. When we say we are God-expressing and others are God-expressing, then our stories are tied with God's own story. Something bigger than just our small lives is going on. And hope and courage are the church's middle name. Right? So, you know, sometimes, sometimes people say to me, well, you know, I can listen to TED Talks, which is true, TED Talks are awesome, and, um, or I can watch the TV preachers, right? Yeah, that's great too. I mean, whatever, whatever you want to do. But there's something about coming into a community like this and seeing your ministers, Ariana, me, others, struggle with our own faith, Connie, struggle with our own sense of what is, what, it, what is it that I'm being called to right now? How can I make a contribution right now? Or what am I to do with these doubts? What am I to do with these fears? Oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray with the prayer chaplains. I'm going to put my prayer in here and I, in this little box, and I know that they're going to be prayed over. I'm going to come to a potluck and talk with my friends about this. There's something about this communal experience around health and well-being that we can't get from watching the clever folks give their clever talks on TED.com, right? Right. If you see me struggling with my faith, if you see me struggling with my fear, if you see me struggling with my doubts and still walking towards health and well-being and my um, God expressing in the world, then you too might find hope and courage to do that. If you see your friend survive a difficult challenge, overcome a difficult challenge, uh, then you'll know more about your own spirit. So I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised. And when something like Charleston happens, something like Orlando happens, we want to be together, right? We want to talk about our greatest and deepest hopes and aspirations and dreams and prayers. In the face of Orlando, what is our deepest prayer? For healing. For healing. 
for health and well-being. Someone once said that healing is not forcing the sun to shine, but letting go of that which blocks the life. So this morning, I want to introduce you to some ideas about practical things you can do to be in touch with your own health and well-being. The first thing, the first law of healing that I want to introduce you to is we care for those things we love. We care for those things we love, right? I don't care for my kids uh, to make them lovable. I care for my kids because I already love them. And I want them to be well, and I want them to be their authentic selves, whatever they turn out to be. Um, I don't care for my pet to make my, you know, my, my Sophie, my black lab Sophie. I don't care for my Sophie to make Sophie lovable. I care for Sophie because I love Sophie. If we learn to love our bodies, you know, my 6'2", well-sculpted body. <laughs> if I learn to love my body just as it is, right, I'll care for it. I'll eat well. I'll exercise. I'll be in balance, right? So we, we, we want to care for the things we love. Number two about body and healing. Number two law of healing is the body remembers. All of us have been through difficulties. I think most of us have been through traumas. Most of us have been through difficult things. And as long as we push those traumas down and say, okay, I'm not going to confront that. <clears throat> it's too painful. It will live in our body. It will settle into our body. The body remembers. So one, one, uh, one person who writes about this stuff says, at some point, biography becomes biology. Right? right? Our, our stories, if we push them down, they're going to come up. They're going to come up somehow in our health and well-being. So find someone to talk to about those traumas. Find somebody professionally trained who can talk to you about those traumas so that you can release them. Separate body image from body reality. Uh, I've I've alluded to this. Like when I look at magazines, I see the guys are supposed to be, you know, big and sculpted, right? Not the case always. So if I can love my body just as it is and not what the image is that some... Madison Avenue person wants me to think about, then I will love my body. All right, this next one, number four. Come in, this is my favorite, and Connie knows why, but you'll know why in a minute. Number four is come into your animal presence. So we heard about this in Mary Oliver, right? Um, The world offers itself to your imagination, calling you, Let the soft animal of your body love what it loves. The animal of your body. 
But Elizabeth Lesser, as she's talking about these laws of healing, and she mentions this, come into your animal presence, she encourages people to get an animal ritual, to remind yourself that you're an animal. And hers, now this is going to be controversial, so don't tell Ariana or anybody that I mentioned this, (laughs) right? Her animal ritual is she pees outside (laughs) as often as possible, all right? I, I'm, not, I'm not saying that you should do that, but whatever it is that reminds you that you are a, a, an animal presence. Maybe go barefoot. You could go barefoot. I mean, it's less controversial. You do what you want to. So number five is listen to the body. Number five is listen to the body. When we sit in silence... At 9 o'clock, 11 o'clock services, uh, we're inviting you to listen to your body. What is your body telling you? What is your body telling you? She says, Elizabeth Lesser says that she went through this period where she was, um, she was on her spiritual journey. And somehow, in the midst of all of this, she developed an eating disorder. And she says that she stopped listening to her body. And eventually, with some therapy and prayer and all kinds of things, she began to listen to her body. And her body told her what was needed to move forward. Experience the mind-body connection. Let energy flow is number seven. Let energy flow. So this idea of um, Reiki and, and your and your energy, let that flow. Sometimes it gets blocked, and we need some ways to let that energy flow. Number eight, be an explorer. Be an explorer. Try to get in touch with the different parts of your body in different ways and different times, and see if you can feel all the different pieces of your body Number nine, we've touched on, get support. Get support. Find people who will listen to your stories about your health and well-being. Find people who will listen to your stories about what your body is telling you. Healing is this making whole, restoring a state of perfection and balance that has been lost through illness or energy. And we've all experienced healing in one way or another. The last law of healing is important. Take responsibility, but give up control. It's both and. It's both and. Protect and be open. Protect and be open. Take responsibility, but give up control. So those are some of the laws of healing. And I want to add just two more to the mix. One is don't give up. Four years ago, I think, maybe four years ago, I left my senior ministry of a church in town. After 11 years of being a senior minister, 
I left senior ministry. I was hurting. I was burned out. I was lost. I was confused. And over the course of the next little while, I did different things. I, 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 I was a community organizer. I worked against the death penalty. I um, worked with a group of contemplatives. I did all these things. And one day, I was just sitting there and I was thinking, what am I going to do next? What am I going to do next? What is life calling me to? And I just made an appointment with somebody who I wanted to find out more about. This woman named Jessica Evans Tamron. And I had heard her name. She was a chaplain in town. And I just went, because, you know, I'm a very social person. I don't know if you know that about me or not. But I'm a very social person. I just went to have coffee with her. And by the end of that day, I had signed a contract to enter into chaplaincy training. It completely shifted my life. I didn't go there intentionally to do that. I went there to meet somebody, and she invited me to uh, join this program to uh, become a chaplain. And it completely shifted the trajectory of my life. In the midst of my mourning and my grief, I, I reached out, and my world completely changed. And the last one is one that I want, the last law of healing is one that I want to share with you from Charles Fillmore. And that is, let a joy keep you. Let joy be your companion in all of this. He says that the spiritual mystics know that the only permanent cure for the ailment is trust in God as the one and only source of good to humanity. A daily prayer for wisdom and divine guidance in the conduct of one affairs will restore peace and harmony to mind and body, and health will follow. So he says, um, let joy be your companion. Let joy be your companion in all of this says what happens is when people think a great deal about spiritual things and especially about God or the source as indwelling spiritual presence, both mind and body are thrilled with joy, a feeling of satisfaction, and a tendency to break out in songs of gladness. So, let joy be your guide and your companion. As you walk towards health, and well-being. Remember your friends. Love your body. Listen to it. Don't give up and keep singing.